0: Psalm 22, Psalm 22, verses 1 through 5. Psalm 22, verses 1 through 5. Let us hear God's Word this morning. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me? From the words of my groaning. Oh my God, I cry in the daytime, but you do not hear. And in the night season, and I am not silent. But you are holy, enthroned in the praises of Israel. Our fathers trusted in you. They trusted and you delivered them. They cried to you and were delivered. They trusted in you and were not ashamed. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for your word and for the inspiration of it. And now, Lord, may it speak to our hearts and our lives in such a way today that we will be challenged, that we will be changed, and that we will never get over it. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we are finishing up our uh, new our, our current series uh, called Renewed by the Psalms, and hopefully this is going to take you into whatever new season that you may be starting, and we know we have college kids that are starting a new season, whether it's away or whether it's here or moving out or things like that. We have, uh, of course, back to school happening and all the folks that are involved in that, or whether it's just a new season of your life, wherever you are. We pray that this has been a time that you can be renewed And that the Psalms are wonderful ways and means to help us be renewed in that We talked about Psalm 139 and how we are all uh, created in the image of God That we are fearfully and wonderfully made We talked about how that uh, how we can be grounded in Psalm 139 and who we are and who God is for us, we talked about Psalm 91 and how God is our hiding place and that we can run to Him and we can find protection under His wings. We talked about Psalm 30 and that joy comes in the morning. It may feel like that weeping is enduring for a night or that you're in a season that is hard, but joy comes in in the morning and then we talked about psalm 119 which is uh all about god's word and and i don't let you know how important god's word is uh in the bible it's the longest psalm in the bible and it's 176 verses all about god's word and so that brings us to today and we're finishing up and there's one more psalm that i really couldn't um You know, kinda couldn't go without because uh talking about because it just kinda kept coming up in my spirit over and over, and it is Psalm twenty-two. Now I know probably some of you thought I was gonna say Psalm 23. We actually did a whole series on that about a year or so ago, but um but it's Psalm twenty-two. So it's right before Psalm 23, and it's Psalm 22, and it starts with words that you probably are familiar with from another place in the Bible. And Psalm 22, verse 1 says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me and from the words of my groaning? If those words are familiar, it's because most likely you have been to any type of service or Easter celebration or Good Friday or or Maundy Thursday or whatever. And on the cross, Jesus cries out these words, my God, uh well verse uh, Matthew 27:46. The whole thing actually says it like this, and about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice. This is when he was on the cross dying and he cries out with a loud voice saying, "Eli, Eli, lama Sapathani. Now, that is uh the best Aramaic that I can do, and I I mean, you know, it does have a southern accent to it. But anyway, the um it it says it, which says that is My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And you know, those are some heavy words. Those are heavy words coming from us, but they're especially some heavy words coming from Jesus. I mean, you just think about those words and how sort of heavy they are, and it's always been those words have been sort of troubling in a way because, you know, here is the second uh, person of the Trinity calling out to the first person of the Trinity saying, Why have you forsaken me? And, and, and some explanations that I've heard before and are good explanations and I think are definitely uh, true is that at this point Jesus was experiencing the pain and the suffering of our sin. Remember he paid the debt for our sin and so in that he's experiencing the pain and the suffering of all of the punishment that would be for us was being heaped upon him at that moment. And he had to have felt like all had forsaken him. But I won't ever forget an explanation that was given, that is a good possibility, was given by Dr. Leonard Sweet at a workshop we were at one time. And he said this, he said, it is these words that Jesus says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Or the King James, why hast thou forsaken me? You probably heard them that way as well. Those words are the first words of Psalm 22. And in those days, the Psalms would have been put to music and they would have sang the psalms are sung i always get those mixed up but anyway they would have been singing the psalms is that all right all right but anyway so it would have been sung in jesus very easily because look it was even put to music in fact if you go in your bible at the beginning of psalm 22 it even tells you what the tune is for it it says that it's been set to uh, the Deer of the Dawn. Now, I'm not sure what the Deer of the Dawn uh, sounded like, and I've asked our musician folks, and they weren't sure what that tune would have been. I mean, for all we know, it might have been the tune of Ice Ice Baby. dun dun, 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 dun. Yeah, you know, but anyway, I, I don't think it was that. But, but anyway, it was put to a certain tune, And Jesus, and what they did back then is that usually a leader would sing out the first couple of lines of a psalm, They would have all been memorized during those times. Remember, they weren't writing a lot of this down. And and they would memorize these psalms. And the leader would have sung out the first words or the first lines of the song. And then the congregation or those around that knew it would have sang the next lines back. And so it is very possible, very possible that Jesus, when he cries out, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Was a cue for the folks that were left around the cross. Remember, many had deserted them, many had left them, but there were still a few around the cross there, and they would have known Psalm 22 to sing back to him. So let's let's think about it like that. In Psalm 22, verse seven, and I mean verse two says, "Oh my God, I cry in the daytime, but you do not hear, and in the night season, and I am not silent," and, and, and then. It would have started out like that. But listen what they would have sang back to him. Look at verses 3 through 5. But you are holy, enthroned in the praises of Israel. Our fathers trusted in you. They trusted and you delivered them. They cried to you and were delivered. They trusted in you and were not put to shame. In other words, that song may have sounded pretty discouraging when it started, but it doesn't end that way. And what that psalm ends up saying is that, yes, it may look kind of bad. You may feel abandoned. You may may feel like you're far away from God right now. But our God is faithful, and we can trust in Him. And no matter where you are, even if you are like Jesus dying on a cross, feeling abandoned by everybody, that our God can still be trusted, and that our God is faithful. And so I want to just talk to you for a few, more, for a few minutes this morning about the faithfulness of our God, the faithfulness of our God. There's some principles, I believe, that we can see from this psalm about the faithfulness of God of our God. Number 1 is this. Our God is faithful because our God is real. Listen, whenever the folks heard Jesus say this from the the cross, I believe that they all of a sudden it hit them, oh my gracious. This is what the psalm was prophesying. This was what was promised. I mean, look at what in verses 7 and 8, how they they see this, and they're seeing it reenacted right in front of their eyes. Verse 7 and 8 says, All those who see me ridicule me. They shoot out the lip. They shake their head, saying, He trusted in the Lord. Let Him rescue him. Let Him deliver him, since He delights in him. Don't you remember when Jesus was on the cross, that's what some of the very folks said about him. If you're really the son of God, oh, tell him to call down his angels and get you off of this cross. If you're really who you say you are, then you can trust in him and he'll get you off from there. And I believe that they saw this whole thing playing out and realized this is the real deal. This is the real thing. Jesus was fulfilling on the cross what the psalmist prophesied way back hundreds of years before. He's the real thing. See, uh, you know, we've we've come into this time now where we just, we, we're all searching for things that are real. And I mean, even our consumerism drives us to search for things that are real. You know, now, uh, it kind of started with these organic plants and all. We want to eat what's organic, you know, don't, doesn't have the preservatives and all these kind. And then the next thing you know, it was vegetables and plants and uh, vegetables and fruit and all. And then the next thing now, it's meats and all. I mean, there's companies out there. Did you know there was one called Moink? There's a company called Moink. Have you heard advertisements for that? And it's you know it's uh, all different types of proteins that are organic. And I reckon the chicken runs around free or whatever. And 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 I know that's free range, all right. But anyway, and 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 evidently, uh, and I love the commercials because she always says. Oink oink! I got moink. You know what? I mean? And and uh and but and and they have steak and pork and evidently uh, the pig before they slaughter it they must brush his teeth and comb its toenails or I mean or whatever and all that good stuff and whatever it makes it organic. But the thing about it is is that we are always looking for those things that are real. We want the real deal. We want the real thing. Just this past, I don't know if you've noticed recently that Dorito bags have changed. And, you know, they've gone back to the retro Dorito bags. And, uh, I mean, all the way back to what Doritos were, even before there was Cool Ranch Doritos, they, they had this different Dorito bag. And, and the thing about it is, is I noticed we had some of those bags and, and nobody was eating them. And the girls, they thought it was a knockoff brand of Doritos, you know, and so they weren't eating them things. No, that's a real thing. We want something that's real. Now, we, we do eat the knockoff, we do eat the Harris Teeter Uh, Pop-Tarts and things, so, I mean, we we do those, but there's just some things that you want the name brand, you want the real thing, and we are searching for what's real, and folks, that's what we need is something real, how do we know it's real, because God is the one that transforms life He's the one that brings healing. He's the one that I've seen help marriages be healed. He's the one that helps us forgive somebody else. He's the real thing. And that's what we need in our lives. Not only is our God faithful because our God is real, but also since our God is faithful, then we really have nothing to fear. I want you all to hear that. Since our God is real, then we really have nothing to fear. That doesn't mean don't be cautious. That doesn't mean not to use wisdom. But honestly, folks, if, if, if our God is faithful and we know that he's with us, what really do we have to fear? Even death is not the end for us. Really, what do we have to be afraid of whenever our God is with us? Don't you remember uh, in, in the Gospels whenever that story of when Jesus and his disciples were out there on the boat and Jesus was taking a nap in, in down in the bottom of the boat and all of a sudden this storm comes up and his disciples start panicking. I mean, they've got Jesus in the boat with them. They start panicking. They wake him up all frantic-like. And here's what he ends up saying in verses 26 and 27 of Matthew chapter 8. But he said to them, Why? Are you fearful, O you of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the winds of the sea, and there was a great calm. So the men marveled, saying, Who can this be that even the winds and the sea obey him? Folks, see, what we need to understand is that Jesus, if he's with us in the boat, that's what really matters. We don't have to be afraid, even when the winds and the waves are there, and even sometimes when He doesn't calm them. One preacher said one time, sometimes He calms the storm, and sometimes He calms His child. And we're His children, and He wants to calm us even in the midst of a storm that's in our life. And if He's with us, we know that He's gone ahead of us. And that he's there. Now, we still find ourselves of little faith sometimes. We still find ourselves, like uh, the great late Charles Allen tells the story of this little Johnny. And little Johnny one time uh, is right there, uh, and his mom tells her, go down in the basement. But the light was out in the basement and the, and the light bulb was out. Go down in the basement and get some of the soup so I can use in this dish. And, and she kept saying, you can do it, you can do it. And he was afraid. And she says, don't worry, Jesus will be with you. In fact, he goes before us. He's already there. And so little Johnny walks over to the basement door, opens it up and says, hey, Jesus, if you're down there, will you bring me up a can of soup? That's usually what we want to do. We want to just kind of stay back, let Jesus take care of it. No, He wants to calm us, and if He's with us, we really don't have to fear. And number three is this our God is faithful, even though we may not see it. Just like that song we sang last week, I believe it was Waymaker. We've been singing it over in traditional this morning. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. Our God is faithful and is moving and we don't, even when we don't see it. Folks, you see, I believe that Psalm 22, over and over in there, is, has this uh, time that they may be really wondering if God is at work. I mean, look at verse 16 and then verse 18. He says, for dogs have surrounded me. The congregation of the wicked have enclosed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. This is still prophetic of what Jesus experienced on the cross. But then verse 18 also says, they divide my garments among them and for my clothing they cast lots. You see, I imagine on the cross that day, there were many that were thinking, this is our leader. This is the one that was supposed to bring back in the kingdom. What is God doing? I mean, he is dying on the cross here. Nobody's getting them down. Nobody's turning it around. They had to think that all was over. But here's the thing. God was at work because how many of you know that three days later, as that song we sang this morning, death was arrested, amen, and new life began. And that's what He wants us to know for our story as well. I love Dr. Carolyn Moore who preached revival last week. I heard her speak at our global simulcast. And I remember her saying and was quoting someone that said, God is doing about 10,000 things in your life and we are only aware of about three of them. That means that there are 9,997 things that God's actually at work at in our lives that we have no idea about right now. Now, why, why does he only let us be aware of about three of them? I think it's because we probably couldn't take it. it we, we couldn't take four. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it would just mess us up, I think. But God is working even when we don't see it. Even when we don't feel it. God is still at work. Peter Kuzmik was a seminary leader and, and pastor in, Luka, in Yugoslavia in 1989. He spoke and was saying there that, uh, of course, you know, at that time, churches were not free. People were not free to worship there because of the Iron Curtain, because of communism and all. And he spoke in 1989 about the opening of churches when the Iron Curtain would fall. People thought he was just dreaming. But four months later, only four months later, guess what happened? the fall of communism, the fall of the Iron Curtain, the fall of the Berlin Wall and all of a sudden churches all around were able to open up and find the freedom that they needed. Somebody came to him and said, how did you know that that was going to happen? Had God given you some type of specific word or prophetic thing? And he said, no. He said, I just refused to put a period where God had put a comma. Y'all hear that? I refuse to put a period where God had put a comma. And maybe you're in a situation right now, maybe you're at a time in your life that you just are not sure what's happening or how it's happening, or maybe you feel like God's far away. Do not put a period where God's putting a comma. Allow Him to continue to work, even when we don't see it. Folks, our God is faithful for our situation today. In whatever situation that you find yourself in, He is the God that is faithful. Let's pray. Lord, we thank You. We thank You for Your goodness. We thank You for Your faithfulness. Lord, even though we may feel abandoned at times, let us know that You are faithful because You are real. Let us know that you are right there in the boat with us, Lord, even when the storm comes. And even when you don't calm the storm, Lord, calm us. Lord, maybe there's some folks here today that are just wondering how you're working. Lord, I pray right now that we will not put a period where you have placed a comma and that we will still remain open to how you want to work in our life. Lord, let us know that you are faithful and that you are at work in our life today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.